You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who lived well and died well, who wrestled with the challenges of their time and allowed that to bring forth that which was truly born within them. I call out to these ancestors who brought their gifts. I call out to these ancestors who made huge mistakes but learned from them. And I call out to these ancestors that have compassion for those generations coming after them and those ancestral helping spirits who wish to be here with us to help the living to do what we are challenged to do in our own time. So I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in this sweet lineage to us and ask them to stand firm with us. Help us to feel... The foundation under our feet, the conviction in our hearts, and the inspiration in our minds to rise to the challenges of our day. Help us to be ever more loving and able to do what we are called to do. So I call out beyond these human ancestors to the ancestors that were here long before humans and will most likely be here long after. And these are the ancestral energies of Earth um, here on the surface of the Earth. We call out to these beings and their many forms who live here with us, moving through the seasons, um, changing and growing. And we ask these energies to show up and be with us as well here today to help to guide us to know more deeply our own true nature, to connect more deeply to those things that are deep and abiding in our life, and to have a chance to remember why we are here um, and to not be lost in the distractions of our contemporary time. We ask these spirits of nature to help us to remember that we are part of that great web of life and to step up and to do our unique role within that web. So with all of these ancestors and helping spirits gathering around us, let's draw our energy in from wherever it might be to our heads, from our heads to our hearts, from our hearts to our bellies. And then let us reach down to the earth and take a moment and stop everything in our day and just take one moment, one complete moment, to simply offer gratitude to the earth for life. For this day, for the beauty and wonder of the day, for the great diversity of life all around us, for all that is on this journey and to for the ability to grapple with those obstacles for they are the path themselves and we ask the energy of the earth to hear our gratitude as we give thanks for the great generosity in this dreaming that sets up this situation such that we humans are able to change anything as long as we are still breathing we give great thanks to the earth for this and just thanks for the wonder and awe of life itself and with the gratitude pouring from our hearts let us move our energy down through all the layers of the earth 
giving gratitude as we go until we reach the very center of the earth and let us anchor our energy firmly there and tune in to the energy of the earth, that energy of pure potential before it takes form. We connect to this energy that is still and dark. That is the energy that rises up to bring nourishment and replenishment to all that live here on this planet. So we tune deeply in to the energy of the earth, in that stillness and silence, that quiet, that darkness. And we dip our energy in as if the energy of the earth were fresh water. And we draw that energy up to replenish and renew, just as we would drink fresh, clear water on a hot day. And as we draw the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth and up into our body, we bring this energy in to refresh and restore, to renew, to replenish, to nourish us, to bring to us the energy that will transform within us into the abundance in our life. We call this earth energy up and with it we call in all the wisdom of manifestation. And as this energy rises, let us use this energy to be grounded in this day. To get a sense of where we stand in life, what we stand for. And with that energy to build a sense of home and a sense of place, a sense of belonging. And to do this in a way that is not tied to a location or a particular group of people or a particular way of thinking. But a sense of home and belonging that goes with us because we carry it within. A sense of home that is open to those who are different than we are. A sense of belonging that connects us to this entire human family. Let us expand beyond the old-fashioned ideas and open ourselves to what our time is calling of us to become this true global family and to do so in a way that is good for all living things. And we ask the energy of the earth to pass on this great wisdom it shares with us every single day, whether we're paying attention or not, but how to be part of this great web of life and to do so together. And so with the energy of the earth around us, let us connect in, connecting ourselves, connecting ourselves to our environment, connecting to the energies that are not in physical form and ultimately opening ourselves up to the oneness in all things and to use that connection to the oneness to come in right relationship with ourself to bring ourselves into alignment with the greater reason that we are each here that we are part of the divine each one of us brings a face of the divine into manifestation if we choose to live that life and so we ask the energy of the earth to help us to feel our sense of oneness with all things, our place in the great web, and to live from that understanding of who we are. And so with the energy of the earth as a firm foundation underneath us, let us draw that earth energy up through ourselves, through the sky, through the atmosphere, and out into the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe, and to connect with that energy there. And to begin to draw that radiant energy down, whether you visualize it as the sun or the moonlight or the starlight or simply divine energy, we draw this energy down into ourselves and into our day to bring in the energy of blessing, to bring in the energy of protection and generosity and commitment. We bring this energy in to feel the benevolence of our universe, our devotion to our reason for being here and ultimately the great beneficence of the whole big picture. And we draw these energies in that we might be inspired and the way might be illuminated with this help. And as we draw the energy of the sky down, down through our body, 
and down to the center of the earth, we make ourselves the great meeting place between the earth and sky. These two great legendary lovers, these two energies from which all life on earth emerges, this great complementary dualism, the big love. And we ask the big love to awaken our hearts, that our hearts might be the crucible of transformation they are meant to be. And may we call up into that crucible the fiery passions of our belly. And may we call down the crystal clarity of our mind and draw these two energies together on the great dance floor of our heart to dance a wild and passionate tango. And in that dynamic tension, may they give birth to the third and most sacred thing that we each carry in our hearts is our memory of why we are here. May we come to know or feel or sense our true purpose in existing. And may we find in that very same human heart the courage that we need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. And for all the spirit help around us that assists us in our efforts every day, we give great gratitude. And I also give gratitude to the people that help me. Without you, I would not be able to be on this show and to say each week, may what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. That we are doing this together and I give great gratitude to Mark and Darcy and Christine, to Brett and Lauren and Deb and William and all the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show. I give uh, great gratitude to all of you. You keep the show alive and on the air. And there are many people that email each week um, offering thanks to you because you keep the show available for them. And for some of them, it is a lifeline in very, very hard times. And so I'm thankful to all of you that help me to continue to do this. So for those of you that are listening for the first time, this show is listener-supported. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you into inspiration or irritation, if it moves you to tears or laughter, if it moves you at all, you've been moved in the heart. And may you do that most fundamental shamanic act, which is to allow the things that move your heart to motivate your actions in the world in a good way. And to do something, large or small then, to help the show to grow. With the connectivity of our lives here, there are many, many things you can do by just clicking buttons and sharing and uh, adding your own comments, your own experiences. There's a lot that you can do to help the show to grow. Um, But more important, or perhaps equally as important, is actually listening and bringing the teachings into your life, wrestling with them, using them, bringing them to your journey circles, bringing them to your daycare, bringing them wherever they might Uh, be of service and let me know how things go. It is your questions that come from your efforts with these practices that I think make the most interesting shows. So I thank you for your questions. I thank you for your show ideas. I thank you for all of your efforts to be better people in the world. And I thank those of you that donate financially. If you would like to do that, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you're uncomfortable that way but would like to donate, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And I'd be happy to give you a regular address for a regular check. So thank you, everyone. 
Today we are live, and if you have a question about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com and ask your question, or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So our topic today is creating a crucible of transformation. You know, I say that at the beginning of most of the shows, and a listener recently emailed me and said, great, but how do I do that? And I thought that was a really good question. Um, And then as I was thinking about the show, I came across another listener's question from many, many months back. That was actually a question about love. Uh, But the question was that uh, this, if we are not meant to fulfill each other's emptiness in romantic relationships, then what are we supposed to be doing with our partners and lovers? And somehow these two questions sort of sparked a little fire of ideas in my mind, I guess. So they, they struck me, particularly in the context of the last two shows that we've done. One was about working with the seasons and the elemental uh, energies of the fall. And then the second show was sort of in preparation for moving into the winter and the elemental energies of the winter time. So moving from the metal time to the water time. And in the context of these shows, there was a lot of talking about how we cultivate courage and bravery. And in that willingness to be with these elements and our organs, actually, as they're moving through their own cycles of life, how we, how we ultimately cultivate virtue. I don't know. Somehow this all sort of wrangled around in my head together. And I recalled the teaching from my Taoist teacher. Um, and he was talking about Taoist and love, actually, and how he had had the honor of um, many years studying with two older Qigong masters, a man and a woman, each in their 80s, um, who were lovers and had been for decades. And what he learned from them, and one of the things that they taught him in terms of this type of long enduring loving relationship between two very powerful people. Um, The teacher has said that the relationship is really about one creating a house of transformation for their lover and the lover moves in and in that home transforms. And so in, in that he or in that transformation, then the, the one who moved in becomes the person who can create a house of transformation for the one who first created that for them. And so in this way, the roles keep being handed back and forth. One creates the house of transformation. The other moves in and transforms into the person who creates a house of transformation for the first, who moves in and transforms. And it was this this wonderful metaphor for what are we doing in long-term loving relationships Um, if we're not completing each other. So what does it take then to create a house of transformation? Well, the first thing we need to talk about is what the hell is transformation? Okay, so transformation is not change. Transformation is a quality of change that we cannot change back from. Transformation has a quality of being irreversible or irreparable. 
And often in the process of transformation, there is a feeling that some sort of damage is being done. So it is a metamorphosis, um, like the transformation of a caterpillar into a chrysalis and then into a butterfly. You know, the butterfly can't chicken out and go back to being a caterpillar because it has been transformed. It's not a change. It's a transformation. And so transformation is actually um, challenging for us. And the other part of the reason that it's challenging is that, frankly, we don't actually transform until we've been at something for at least three days. And most of us go away to weekend workshops. And so changes happen. And they're wonderful. They're great fun, well worth doing. But if we're looking for transformation, we have to have a longer attention span. We have to be willing to commit for the duration of the transformation, whatever that might be. We can't just compartmentalize it into a Friday night through Sunday afternoon type of event. So a transformational process then, as we move on here in understanding transformation, a transformational process requires a container to hold the process, just like the chrysalis holds the caterpillar, which kind of basically liquefies as it transforms into a butterfly. Um, I can still remember the couple summers that I lived in a tent at the Omega Institute when I was the, the shaman at the wellness center there. And my tent had a fly because, of course, it rained all the time. And the caterpillars crawled up between the tent and the fly and made their cocoons and ultimately birthed themselves into moths or butterflies or whatever they were. I never really got to see that fun part. What I got to see was the disgusting goo that poured down my tent in every direction as that um, process opened up and released the butterfly. So, you know, the other thing about transformation is it's a messy process. It is a really messy process. So ideally, we want a container that doesn't react to the transformation. Because if the container itself starts reacting to the transformation, then in terms of the transformation itself, the container is polluting it. The container is beginning to distort the direction the transformation wants to go in. It's distorting the transformation's natural path. Now, many of you have actually felt this many times. You're talking to a friend about something. And you're sort of processing through it as you're talking. And the friend says something, or it could even be a therapist or a, a practitioner, but the other person says something that's a wrong um, uh, um, intervention. You know, they're trying to guide or help you. They're almost always trying desperately to help. People are well-intended. But that intervention they've offered is, is, is contrary to the natural path of the transformation. And it feels off and awkward. And there's a, almost a defensiveness that rises up because the, the sacred path of the transformation that must be trusted is being thwarted. So this is a very small version of what I'm talking about. So in terms of actual transformation, I mean, if we want to make our heart a place, a crucible of transformation, then our capacity to contain the transformation 
needs to have the same qualities of a good crucible. And that's why I use that word. Because a crucible is a very specific thing in industry and chemistry. So crucibles are used uh, particularly when the chemical reaction or the transformational process that's happening inside the crucible. I mean, the crucible is a container. But in particular, they're metal or porcelain. They, they are made out of substances that we hope remains inert even as the whole thing heats up. Because most things, like people, when they heat up, they start throwing off molecules. Just like when people, when they heat off, they start throwing off emotions and um, inappropriate comments and things like that, right? So as things heat up, they start to off-gas. They start to... Um, release. So what we want for a transformational process is a crucible that stays inert while the transformational process runs its entire course. So so here we have then a crucible of transformation in the heart. And so that means we need to create a heart that is not going to react emotionally to every transformation that's trying to happen. And this is our transformations and those that we love and support in our life. So this is the reason I felt the listener's question was a very good question. In regards to people, a crucible can be a place or occasion of severe test or trial. However, it only succeeds in being a crucible of actually being the test or the trial if that place or situation actually contains the whole process. That's what makes that event unique and an actual transformational process is something was present in it that held that transformational process well. So the tricky thing, of course, is that your human heart is not made of metal or porcelain. And so being a good crucible in this place in your being that is most emotional seems a great paradox, seems a great challenge in and of itself. So how do you hold inner space for your process of transformation? That's kind of what this whole thing boils down to. How do you become a person who can hold space in your heart for your own process of transformation. Now, the first thing that I want to acknowledge is sometimes we can't. And this is really the, the deepest reason that we need other people, is that we can't always do both. Sometimes we can't be both the liquid of the process and the structure of the crucible at the same time, that we need to melt, we need to, we need to become liquid, we need to be changed by that transformational process in such a way that we need other, another person or other people to hold the space for that transformation. And this is um, one of the greatest gifts in the four years of the cycle training is all of the rituals and ceremonies that we do, we do precisely for this reason, to create a crucible for transformation that is larger than what we can create as individuals but also one-on-one, -on -one, which is how most of us do our healing work is one-on-one. -on -one. And this opens up to the possibility then of transformations running their full course um, 
because we give them a crucible we give the transformations themselves the crucible that we need to run that course this is a very important principle in shamanic healing to understand that many healing processes are not able transformational healing processes are not able to run their full course simply because we are not providing for the transformation the crucible that it needs so the most simple version of that is the person who says well i don't do groups Well, that means that any transformational process your soul needs to go through in this lifetime that requires more than one or two people to hold space, it just isn't going to happen. It's just the nature of transformation is it needs to be held well. So this is one reason that we circle again and again and again through the same processes in our lives. It's not really about the onion skin. You're not really actually going deeper. It's that the transformation isn't being allowed to complete itself because the crucible isn't being held to allow it to. And so what's happening is the transformation heats up. We start reacting to the process and then the original transformation can't complete itself because now we've polluted the original transformation and it's a big mucky hot mess (laughs) Um, so what's trying to happen can't happen because it isn't contained in a way that allows it to complete its own full process without invasion or distraction or influence by the things that are reacting to the process so this would be like I, I know this sounds really circular but this would be like the chrysalis becoming part of the caterpillar's process which means it liquefies and falls apart just like the caterpillar and then everything oozes out before we get a butterfly. So if we are to hold something that is challenging to hold, like the dynamic tension between our great passions that burn in our belly for why our soul is here, right, and this cool clarity in our mind that can see our world, world and all the challenges of how to make things in this world, These are two very different energies. One is cool and calculating and strategic and the other one is just fiery and churning and passionate about just wanting to be manifest. And so these two energies are very different. So how do we hold them together in a way that neither is destroyed and the very fact of their presence together provokes this third understanding of why we are here. How do we do that? How do we hold these two energies together in a way that they create the transformation from our ignorance to our knowing of why we are here? And I mean ignorance in the sense of innocent ignorance. So how do we create that transformation into our knowing of why we are here, our memory of why we are here? And to do that, we must be able to hold the transformation and be in it. We need to become the kinds of people who can do that. So we need to learn to be in emotional acceptance and mental curiosity. And our challenges as contemporary people is that we tend to be in emotional extremes and mental judgment. And these two things are are crucible annihilating. Emotional extremes means you're emotionally reacting to what is going on um, and polluting it. Mental judgment means you're judging what's going on and will ultimately 
succeed in impeding the natural process of the transformation or directing the transformation down a path you believe it should go in versus allowing the process and trusting it to unfold and working with it to unfold. Okay, so let's look at this. All right, so from a psychological perspective, we these days talk about emotions usually from the sense of we're either in denial of our emotions or acceptance of our emotions. And that's not wrong. It's just that from a shamanic perspective, it is incomplete. So from a shamanic perspective, we are either in denial of our emotions or acceptance, which is a middle place, or indulgence of our emotions. And so denial and indulgence are um, to the two extremes with acceptance of our emotions in the middle. And the important thing to understand about acceptance is it is not the point in and of itself. For many people, they think, oh, I finally accepted my emotions. I've arrived. And what you've done is arrive at the place you can actually begin to do some work. Okay. So the thing about indulgence culturally in the Western world and in America, I'll just speak for America and North America, is that men and women both indulge their emotions. And this is one of the things they both deny their emotions as well. But they both indulge their emotions. They just indulge their emotions differently. Because historically, as we come out of the old story, men and women, regardless of whether they're gay or straight, biological men and biological women get cultural programming around emotions that is very different so men biological men regardless of their sexual orientation are told from the time they are young boys that they if they're ever going to be a real man they are not going to have any emotions and and that to have emotions to feel means they are not a real man that they're a sissy etc etc i don't need to explain this you all guys all know it and many of you participated in it and the problem with that is it creates men who are afraid of their emotions believe if they feel their emotions they're not really a man and have no dialogue uh, no vocabulary to communicate about their emotions and develop a really stunted often develop a really stunted emotional life i'm not saying this has to happen but this is the type of thing that happens so then as men go into men's work which is good work which largely comes out of psychology however and so as the psychology you know tells the story of why men feel the way they feel and there's a lot of myth, there's a lot of dream work, there's a lot of storytelling and a lot of poetry as a way to get at these emotions they don't have a vocabulary for. And so they, they get their story and they touch into the emotion that is part of that story and they have a great big emotional indulgence, a great big emotional release, a great big emotional feeling and then the story's over and it doesn't move on to the next thing in the transformational process and that's a tendency to indulge so from a woman's perspective you're like okay great so you told the story again and felt the feeling again and then you told the story again and felt the feeling again you know when are we moving on right so that's that's the male version of the emotional indulgence the female version yet to remember women are coming out of a very different emotional history which is the history of being entirely pathologized for their emotional life 
and yet held responsible for carrying out the emotional life for the entire family. And so it's a paradox and a mixed message. It's just as damaging as the story given to men. I mean, it's not that long ago where women were literally diagnosed as having an illness if they actually felt healthy sexual feelings. And so women have been pathologized for having an emotional life. And so their tendency and indulgence now that we're supposedly moving out of that time is just staying in the drama in its full emotional um, colors and range and telling that story again and again just to wallow around in those emotions they finally get to have. But But the being in the emotions and the drama of it doesn't serve anything. And so the point is men and women both indulge their emotions and they both deny their emotions. And the challenge for men and women, gay or straight, is to learn to accept their emotions and to feel them without judgment. So because the point is in this emotional indulgement, while there's lots of emotions flying all over the place, no one's actually honestly feeling anything. They're just indulging in something that actually is in the past and we want to get to a place where we're feeling our emotions in present time. So we have to cultivate the capacity for emotional acceptance, which means feeling things deeply and truly so that we can name or describe them and then use that to move us into the next step of the process. So the emotions are not the process in and of themselves. They are the guides in the transformational process. So we cannot get lost in them. And when we indulge them, we are lost. So the emotions are not the process. They're not the end game. They are our guides along the process. So emotional acceptance is the place from which we can begin. Okay, so this is not the point in and of itself, as I said earlier. Just to accept it is not the point. The point is to get to a place of acceptance, and that takes warriorship. And there is nothing that actually happens here that matters. There is no, okay, in the context of transformation, we can't get to transformation without basic warriorship. And this is the warriorship of emotions. If you want a crucible of transformation in your heart, male or female, gay or straight or whatever, you have got to step up to this warriorship of the emotions in your heart and the courage to get out of denial and the discipline to stay out of indulgence. And so the basic warriorship I mean, we, I start my training with four principles, and so there are just two in this. Just the basic principles is commit to show up and be present at all times in the heart, in your feelings and emotions. And the second is to commit to honoring your limits and your boundaries and the limits and boundaries of others. And that's really important because it really speaks to the denial and the indulgence. So... We have to cultivate the discernment to know the difference between true acceptance of emotions without a story attached and acquiescing to emotions. We need to truly just accept them, not have any story. Well, this means this. If I feel this way, then this, 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 and this have to happen. No story, no nothing, just accepting this is how I'm feeling. Now, what does that mean in my process? Not what does that mean from the past? 
how is this guiding me in my process of transformation and so then the perspective from the perspective then of being a good crucible and not reacting emotionally we need also be to be mentally free of judgment so it's not just the willingness to be in the emotions and to accept them and use them as the kind of the information to helps to guide our process we need to also mentally in the transformation um, be free of judgment and that's why I said earlier in the show we need to be curious because you can't be curious and judging at the same time that's the beauty of curiosity is you need to be cu- truly curious of where this transformational process is leading you to keep it moving forward so you know as if being free of judgment weren't challenging enough for most of us it's also important if we're really talking about becoming a crucible for transformation in the heart if that's really your goal then you also need to quell your sense that you know what's going on and leading the transformational process we are in the transformational process engaged in it and following it and trusting it but we are not leading it so how can we lead a process of transformation it's like asking the caterpillar to lead you to becoming a butterfly right we are going somewhere we have never gone before in transformation if we lead that process we will end up where we have already been and this is the other way that we derail our transformation it's another way our crucible collapses and drives the process in another direction so to be a good crucible we must trust the process of transformation and follow the process we keep it moving along because we're truly curious about it we keep asking questions and moving forward as it unfolds and as we unfold with it just like the caterpillar liquefying and ultimately becoming the butterfly so the primary point here is that to be a crucible for your process of transformation you have to stop reacting to your transformational process emotionally or mentally in other words stop reacting to your transformational process from fear-based feelings and mental judgment okay easy for Christina to say on the podcast really challenging to do in life so how well all together now emotional clearing (laughs) okay however I realize I'm done teaching for the year it isn't gonna happen for a number of months so what are you gonna do until then now not that my emotional clearing is the only emotional clearing process out there but the point is you need a skill contemporary people are so unskilled around their emotional life as I said because of the history of what men and women have been taught around emotions that we need a skill to clear these these problematic uh, patterns of emotion from our past okay so with that said we're in the fall here in the northern hemisphere moving in the winter you got a great time to do emotional tasks so what if you got to wait months to get your emotional clearing process so let's look at it through shamanic skills pick a transformational process that keeps getting stuck or that keeps cycling again and again or just keeps pooping out you get going you get so far and you just lose it 
Okay, so you need to ask these journeys questions relative to a transformational process you've already identified. I just want to make that clear. Okay, so you've identified the transformational process you're in or you believe you're in or you want to be in. And so then you ask these questions relative to that. Okay, so journey and ask your helping spirits to show you the current state of your crucible for that transformation. To literally show you the shape of it, the structure of it, its capacity to function. Just to see that in and of itself may explain a lot. If you've got a crucible with gaping cracks or holes in it, you got to ask then what each hole is, what each crack is. How do you repair it? Do you repair it? Do you get a new crucible? you got a whole lot of journey questions there. Great big project for the wintertime. Okay. And that's just the first question is just to be shown the current state of the crucible for your transformation. You can also journey and ask what is in denial relative to this transformation? What is in indulgence? So you know what emotional energies are either being denied and indulged and therefore are not actually contributing to the forward moving progress of your transformational process. You can also ask what is being judged is it being judged it's being inhibited from being itself it's not being seen it's not being heard for itself and valued for itself okay you can also go ask ask what is being led or how are you leading the process so you see how you're actually getting in the way of your own transformational process so all of those questions could end up giving you months of work right there just looking at the state of your crucible the, the, the current state of your crucible as a functioning place for transformation to happen in your life. So then, given all of that, you could ask yourself, does this transformation require a crucible of quality I cannot create at this time? So you've done all those journeys. You've looked at the crucible. You know what transformation you're trying to do. You have a sense of what it's going to take to get the crucible up to snuff. And just ask yourself, does this transformation require a crucible of a quality I cannot create at this time? And if the answer, if your intuitive answer is yes, it does, it needs something more than I can give, then this is a transformation you need to ask for help in. You need to bring in another individual or perhaps individuals and hold space differently for this transformation. The important thing to remember about emotions is that you're wanting to move to this place of acceptance of your emotions. So I'll share this quote. All emotions are pure, which gather you and lift you up. That emotion is impure, which seizes only one side of your being and so distorts you. And this is from Rilke. So when we talk about creating a crucible of transformation in the heart, we're talking about attending to our sadness and grief so that we are able to discover our courage. We are talking about then engaging that courage to cultivate emotional balance and acceptance. And this is the deep yin work of the winter. So when we cultivate emotional balance, we can trust the process and are brave enough to let the process run its course. And from this, virtue emerges it emerges as a stillness and a patience. It is alert and engaged and it allows us to open our heart for the cultivation of wisdom. 
And so I, in preparing for the show, I have to say, I don't think there are any shortcuts to creating a crucible of transformation in the heart. There's no easy way there. But here's a list of the things that definitely can get in your way of creating a crucible of transformation in your heart. And the first is how you treat people. And, the, and its companion, which is looking at how you allow other people to treat you. How you treat people is a direct expression of your heart or your lack of heart. And how you allow others to treat you is just the other side of that same coin. And so that's something that you can look at in terms of beginning to shore up yourself to be able to create a crucible of transformation in your heart. The other thing is what you eat. Chemistry matters. If you eat in a way that is not healthy for your particular body, you become porous and your crucibles become porous. If you eat in a way that has uh, good body chemistry for you, then all your systems will shore themselves up and will be able to contain not only their biological processes better, but your own emotional and, and spiritual and psychological transformational processes. Chemistry matters. <laughs> How you sleep matters. We lose perspective when we don't get enough sleep. We begin to react not just to the crucible of as as the crucible of transformation we start reacting to everything when we haven't gotten enough sleep and so we're not even being a good crucible to hold our day much less an actual transformational process when we're not getting sleep exercise your heart muscle exercise it as a muscle do things you know based on your health and your age but do things that make your heart beat and pump blood let it do its job and feel robust about doing it but also exercise the heart in its energetic role and this would be the deeper uh, practices in yoga or meditation or qigong where we are moving the energy in the heart and supporting the heart in being the the cultivator and um overseer of the interrelationship of all of the organ systems and so finally a big piece of your capacity to create a crucible of transformation in your heart is your care for your physical body do you take the time that you need to care for your own health and well-being because your own your health and well-being affects your capacity to be crucible as well so remember the Ling and the Shen. We've talked about this on other shows. The Ling is the intimate spirit of the heart. This inner dialogue of you communicating with your heart about why you are here, about the things that truly matter to you, what gives you a sense of purpose and value in the world. Uh, the Ling spirit is communicating with you about who you want to be in the world and that, that sort of thing. The Shen spirit is the heart spirit that you show to the world. The Shen uh, needs to be the outward expression of your Ling. I mean, for the heart to be healthy, the Shen needs to be an outward expression of the Ling. And then the Shen brings back information to the Ling, and they are in constant dialogue. So for your heart to be a strong crucible for transformation, these two spirits of the heart must be working together and aligned in their purpose. 
So when your shen is out of alignment with the ling, we we aren't when 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 our shen is out of alignment with our ling, then we aren't living our truth, and we are frankly cultivating disease. So your shen is in your actions. And when your actions are false relative to the true nature of your Ling spirit, you create disharmony within yourself and you spread disharmony in the world with your every action. So journey, journey into your own heart. It's a middle world journey. Your heart's right there. Journey into your own heart and ask to be uh, the Ling spirit and the Shen spirit of your heart to manifest for you as spirits that you can engage with in your heart. How do they present? Are they robust and hardy? Or are they shy and untrusting? This this will reflect back to you your relationship with each of the spirits. How they present, what form they take, will communicate back to you the nature of your relationship with these two spirits of the heart. So is your shin all big and robust and full of itself? and doesn't really listen to you or the Ling spirit, that's a possibility. Is your Ling all flabby and sluggish because you tend to indulge your dreams and visions? You know what it is that your heart truly wants, but you rarely take any action to make that happen in the world. So the important thing is how these spirits present communicates volumes to you about the current state of your relationship with each of these spirits and their relationship with each other. And then based on what you discover in that journey, you could begin to ask questions about how to transform that situation so each spirit, the Ling and the Shen, are robust and healthy, each in their own uniqueness. And then, of course, the issue is talking to them. Are they aligned with you? Are you aligned with them? Are they aligned with each other? If they're not, why? So the other issue, which some of you may find, is that no matter how hard you try, you can't find one or the other in your heart. And this simply means that you must court that spirit, that you have betrayed that relationship for so long that the spirit no longer will show up. And so you need to repair that relationship. You need to create reconciliation with that heart spirit. And you need to show up again and again and court that spirit back into relationship with you in your heart. And if you do find this to be true, if you do these journeys and you find one or the other of these heart spirits refuses to present to you in your heart then you have your work cut out for you this winter you cannot hope to create a crucible for change and transformation in your heart if your heart itself is divided and so the relationship between the Ling and the Shen and you with each is critically important so then how do we love if our hearts are to be a crucible of transformation what are we coming together for in our loving relationships with our intimate partners if we are not there to complete each other what are we there for well the first thing we need to remember 
is that the heart is a wild thing. The heart is a wild, robust thing that came, carrying a memory of why it is here. And this is a face of the divine that has never been known on the face of this planet. It is an adventurer. It is an explorer. It is a wild thing. That is the human heart. It's courageous and brave. It takes risks. It's vulnerable. It's open. It gains wisdom. It has visions. It has great strength an enormous capacity for love and connection. The heart is a wild thing. The child seeks safety. So if you feel the need for safety before you can open to love, then you have left your heart behind in your childhood. Your first task is to go get it so that you can honestly and truthfully bring an adult heart into your adult partnership. It is not your partner's job to create safety for your heart. It is not your partner's job to rescue your heart from your childhood. This is your job. It is your job to create safety for your own heart while your partner builds a house of transformation for you to enter and grow in. Safety comes from the alignment of the Ling and the Shen. And as we cultivate that alignment, we step out with courage and bravery. We are able then to trust the process that wants to unfold. We are able to be truly curious about the adventure our own transformation will lead us on. Our task with each other then is to hold space for that discovery, to encourage that adventure in each other. Our task with each other is to egg each other on, to reflect back the beauty that we see in each other, especially that beauty the other doesn't see. So our task then with each other is to hold space for that adventure. We're here to hold space for each other to build that house of transformation so that the other is able to transform. And in that way, the space is built and held for us to transform. And in this way, we learn with ourselves and with each other to allow these transformational processes to run their course. We have to learn to get out of the way of the men and the women that we have come here to be. It is our task with each other to be curious, truly curious of that person, that person we have come together with. It is our task to be curious and never to strive to shape our partner to meet our needs, but to be truly curious about who this person is becoming on the path to manifesting his or her destiny. I'll close today with a quote. For one human being to love another is the most difficult task. It is the work for which all other work is mere preparation. This is from Rilke. So I'd like to give thanks to all of the helping spirits who are ever ready 
to teach us about how to love and how to hold a great crucible for transformation in our own hearts. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering round in their many forms. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. I'd like to give a quick reminder uh, to all of you the things that are coming up in the new year. Um, in January, there's an event at uh, Sivananda Bahamas, which is called the Yoga Dream and Dreaming, exploration, oh, Exploring the Second State of Consciousness. And I'll be there on a conference panel with Robert Moss and Ed Tick. Uh, so for those of you that want to get out of the polar vortex this January, come and join us in the Bahamas. And I also want to let you know that Mass Evolution and the Authentic Self, Part 1 of the Cycle of Transformation, has been scheduled. It will be July 5th through 10th, 2015. And next week, I will have links to all of these things up on the lastmaskcenter.org website. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week. <music>